All right, welcome back to the Health on 10 podcast with your hosts, Angie Stastny and myself, Alex Krenitz. Today's episode is going to be all about our favorite superfoods. So how are you doing today, Angie? Good, good, good. I'm uh, excited to hear about what you have to say about your superfoods, This uh, which neither of which I really think that I eat that much. Well, yours... Nobody eats. Yeah, I know, we'll and I that. haven't we'll even got. I haven't even eaten it yet, but I'm going to for sure. So, for you, what defines a superfood? And you know, this term, I don't, I don't really like it. It's it's kind of overused because so many things are, are so-called superfoods. But how would you define that in your own words? I think every food is a superfood, but for different people, you may need to support your body in different ways with some of the things that that particular food can do. So your superfood is going to be different from mine, I think. But always, we always go back to like balanced diets. But I think it's good to really have a big variety too. And I don't know about you, but I tend to get into where I keep eating the foods. Some of the same foods foods like over and over again, just out of Convenience. convenience, what maybe what's available. And like now that it's summer, we were just talking about doing gardening, so this is a time to kind of diversify because there's usually more available to you than there is in the winter. So some some a food that maybe you eat a lot and you think is a superfood, you probably need something else yeah. to make an actual superfood for you because you need different nutrients and yeah. minerals. They they all count. Everything complements everything else, and I I think that's so interesting, and. I think people forget about that sometimes and they can get caught up in like, you know, I need more protein or, and then those things are important, but you need, if you need protein, then you need all of the antioxidants and polyphenols and flavonoids and prebiotics and all that from other foods to really make that protein work in the body the way it should. Right. Darren Olean, do you know who that is? You ever heard of him? No. He wrote a book. He had a series on Netflix with Zac Efron. Um, And it was all about like superfoods and going to different countries. I can't remember the name of it. But he talks about on on a podcast, a superfood, because he uses that word a lot, not really being the actual food itself, but the soil that it's grown in. That's what creates a superfood. This is totally tying into my topic because... Um, I was listening to the scientist that I greatly admire, and he was saying that actually the soil has its own microbiome. And I kind of touched on that a little bit. But, you know, so we don't just have a gut microbiome, and we actually have my- different microbiomes all over our body and our lungs and our genitals, um, urinary tract, and your skin and your nasal passages and so on. So, so that's really neat what you're talking about and that reference is so important because we are tied to the earth and we actually strengthen our microbiome by exposure to dirt, yeah. right? And so that's where pesticides can be damaging because they're killing, they're killing the soil. The they're sanitizing the soil. 
Well, you look at like, for example, I think a common if you ask people what what is a superfood, one of the th- one of the plants they would say is blueberry. So if you're looking at a commercially grown blueberry, which in the soil, those it's stripped of all good minerals like phosphorus, magnesium, uh, copper, things like that 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 help the plant flourish and are really good for you. Uh, there is none of that. But if you're looking at like a bl- wild blueberry, now the soil has all these rich minerals. And so the plant can actually absorb the minerals and you're eating what the plant eats. Yes. Essentially. Yeah, that's so true. So because that would be a superfood. So like a healthy plant has to work really hard to survive. And so it it spends a lot of its time creating a root structure that's strong and that can grow. But they say that, you know, and that, that draws nutrients from the soil, right? And that goes into the plant and strengthens the plant because the plant wants to survive. And yeah. phytonutrients are actually protective components that the plant has within it. So when you think about things that are genetically modified, you know, they've shown they don't have to work as hard to survive because they're modified to kind of with pre-survival type structure to them. Mm -hmm. And so they don't draw from the soil the same way. That's why sometimes when you bite into something and it looks so beautiful, but it has no flavor, flavor is phytonutrients. Yes. Flavor comes. So if your produce is flavorless, then it probably doesn't have a very strong nutrient profile. Well, and they say, a lot of plants that are bitter have... How are you reading my mind today? Seriously. <laughs> this is... Go ahead, because I, I have a lot way, to say. Yeah, absolutely. They have way more of uh, those phytonutrients and more antioxidants. Bitterness tends to be a higher antioxidant um, component, I've, from what I understand. Okay. So a, a while back, we were debating on whether... You know, and I'm totally against it, and you were kind of like not sure if you were against it. Artificial sweeteners. Hmm. Just reading a huge study, and they were talking about this very thing. We actually have taste receptors in our pancreas, in our gut lining. They, I heard it's in lungs. This article didn't say that. But we don't just have taste receptors in our mouth and in our throat. As soon as you eat something that's bitter, you are going to utilize glucose more efficiently because those taste receptors in the pancreas actually um, sense that and they know that it's not too much sugar. And so they've done studies and they can actually show, like you said, that eating bitter things um, and that are rich in all these phytonutrients um, is something that can really help with glucose regulation, your appetite hormones. So these, in these studies, you were secreting less of the hunger type hormones that would make you overeat. Whereas when they, when the people were exposed to artificial sweeteners, it had the opposite effect. Yeah. It created more insulin resistance. They were less likely to absorb glucose and into the muscles and utilize it properly. So it's kind of really neat to think that 
you know, you really need to think about that when you're choosing your foods. Well, that makes so much sense because a lot of times from what I've seen is people that drink a lot of those artificial sweetened drinks tend to overeat. Yes. So I never, I didn't really know why. Yeah. But that, there it is. But this is like, yeah, I thought this was exciting to me because I had never run across literature like this that explained it so beautifully and kind of identified, you know, what's going on. And, you know, it's just really neat to know that. And so that gives just a lot more science behind, yeah. like you said. And that's what I always say, like, everything is not just calories because this person may think they're doing something good. And I see that a lot with people that are diabetic and they think they're doing something good because, you know, and so they're going to use the artificial sweeteners because that's better for you than sugar and they're trying to control their blood sugar. But there are people that have identified that artificial sweeteners actually spike their blood sugar. And this gives the science behind it. Yeah, there definitely is, is a slight insulin response and everybody's different too. Yes. I think that, you know, like when you were talking about, you were making reference to someone who was this fitness guru and he didn't really think that it affected him. And maybe it doesn't because his muscle mass mm -hmm. is so high. So he's not insulin resistant, right? right. Like he's just super fit. But yeah. for the average person out there, it may really make a big difference to just do something as simple as moving away from artificial sweeteners. Yeah. And um, even coffee has, has an insulin response on people, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But to move into our some of our superfoods, let's get started. Uh, I'm going to have you start with yours. Tell oh. me your superfood. This is really interesting because I don't really know much about it. You, you kind of brought this up to me the other day. I've heard people talk about it in podcasts, but I'm super interested to know more about it and how we can get more of it. Yeah. So Himalayan tartary buckwheat, um, it, it's, it was in our country until the 1900s when it, they got rid of it. Whoa. So we were growing it here, and I don't know why that is other than I think they found – other crops that may have they thought were more advantageous for storage and and distribution or something so the reasons why I don't know but it, it comes from Asia and it's been recognized for over 2,500 years as a very beneficial food um, it has a bitter taste so we need bitter things, so mm -hmm. don't be afraid of them. And, but that, like I said, indicates the amount of phytonutrients. And the, the thing that I think is neat about it is it's something that they're really utilizing as a regenerative technique for the soil because it, it has a dramatic effect on rebalancing the soil. And because, you know, like I said, some of these ancient grains, they've had to survive years and years and years of adversity but that's how they become all the more powerful as, as our superfood, I guess, is what How do you consume say. it? Is it, it? It's a grain? Yeah, it's a grain, but it's actually a fruit seed. Huh. So it's not really a grain. And um, so it, it's in the rhubarb family, actually. So how, if you're going to prepare this. But it, it looks like flour. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like just powder. So I, I guess you, you got to, I would think of it, it kind of like when you look at chia flour or okay. you know yeah, yeah. it's a seed so you know it's finely ground and then you can use it for like pancakes or 
Nice. Put it in a smoothie or, you know, those kind of things. Talk about some of the health benefits this has had on people over the years or what, what, what could it provide for people? It's just the anti-inflammatory. It's um, low glycemic, so it's going to be, you know, slow to be released and good for diabetics or anybody yeah. in general, basically. And I, <clears throat> I think the prebiotic portion of it is so important because prebiotics feed the gut microbiome and they help us produce short chain fatty acids, which really reduces some systemic inflammation. Okay. Yeah. And so if you think about your, your gut microbiome, giving it the food it needs so it can produce these compounds that are released all over your body and feed every cell in your body and ultimately keep inflammation at bay. And that's a pretty simple way to look at things because I think it, we hear the word inflammation and we really don't, it's hard to put that in perspective yeah. of what that actually means. So this is something you'd replace a flower with, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you talk about the, the prebiotics and I, somebody who loves to cook, I, first thing I think about is pairing that with like pancakes and then Greek yogurt over the top, you get the prebiotics. You get the probiotics from the Greek yogurt. Yeah. That would be. I like that. I Putting know. those two together, pre and probiotics. You can make bread out of it. You can make baked goods. You know, all that kind of thing. Um, just like you would any other flour. What is the taste? Does it have a taste? Is it? I'll let you know. I haven't tried oh, it yet. Oh, you haven't tried this yet? Nope. Awesome. I'm, I literally just stumbled across this, and I just respect this scientist that's doing this, and he he just has a passion for the rest of his life to help with our food system. Yeah. And so I, I just respect what he says. And so, as I told you, I will order you some and then we'll get it. All right. And we'll have to talk about it, Absolutely. you know, next time. Yeah, definitely. Um, something good. And you can, he also has like, uh, in like a pill form for people that maybe don't have the time. A, so yeah. I'm going to, do some exp I always experiment on my family. Yeah, and I wonder they're my guinea pigs. Yeah. So <laughs> I already told my daughter I'll be sending you some to try and <laughs> Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, for me, my so I have two superfoods I'm gonna talk about today. Both of them I eat quite a bit of. One of them is arugula. I'm a huge fan of arugula. And going back to talking about that that kind of bitter taste, arugula has a very bitter, peppery flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually, these are glucosinolates. This okay. is what create this bitter peppery flavor. And glucosinolates convert to sulforaphane in the body. Are you familiar with oh, sulforaphane? Yeah. That's like key to everything. Sulforaphane right is really high in things, in cruciferous vegetables. Yeah. And arugula is a cruciferous vegetable. It actually helps uh, inhibit the enzyme that is involved in cancer growth. Yeah. So you see a lot of uh, research being done right now in sulforaphanes and anti-cancer benefits. Uh, a, a doctor I highly respect, uh, Rhonda Patrick, who's been on Rogan a lot, she is obsessed with sulforaphanes. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it too. Yeah, I think really cool stuff. And, and it's so important for liver detoxification. Mm -hmm. And I know people think of like detoxification almost like a trend but we're always doing it, right? Yes. And, and so sulfur is so crucial. And there, for all these people 
that I, I run across with gut problems, they can't tolerate cruciferous vegetables. That's not good. So we really need to get them back where they're able to do that. Yeah. And, it, you know, maybe arugula is one of the ones, and I'm glad you're bringing this up, that, that people could tolerate. Yeah. I wonder, okay, so th this goes right off of it. So well, the reason why I picked arugula and not another cruciferous vegetable is because a, a lot of cruciferous vegetables are high in what are called oxalates. Those are an anti-nutrient. You were kind of talking about that earlier. And I found that I've seen a lot of people that could be the problem that they're having is the high oxalate concentration in those cruciferous vegetables. So because arugula is much lower in oxalates than things like spinach and kale, uh, there could be a less, less of a reaction to the gut microbiome. So they could be able to handle it a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, Sulfur, the gut microbiome itself depends on sulfur yeah. as a key nutrient for its health also. Yeah, so the, that, that I was really fascinated in, in the, the sulforaphane, the anti-cancer effects that it has. And also just it's really high in antioxidants. One of the highest uh, polyphenol contents throughout the leafy green vegetable family. Uh, which also helps with detoxification. I know we use that word very loosely, but antioxidants help get rid of free radicals in the body. Free radicals form from basically any stress, right? Any stressor, like there's going to be uh, free radicals from um, pollution, cigarette smoke, uh, processed foods. I mean, you name it. Like we're we're just we're always there's always. Yeah free radicals being formed and even just you're even if you're just stressed out yeah like right. mood like you know your emotion um and then uh it's just there's so many ways and i know we've talked about this but it's a point that i can't drive home enough is the looking at your stress load yeah you know it's like there's so many ways you can reduce it like you said, just eating whole foods and going organic if you can, which is pretty easy now. Um, and, you know, looking at, at your daily life in ways that you can support, support re stress reduction. Yeah, definitely. And also, I found with arugula, it's, uh, it's really high in vitamin K. So we know vitamin K, K helps with calcium absorption, which in turn can help reduce risk for osteoporosis. And I think... A lot of a lot of that's it's very high in women to get osteoporosis. It's very common, right? Yes, and I think one of the key things about vitamin K is just like you're saying in general, is to get calcium where it needs to go. Yes. Like people will, you really should never supplement with calcium. Honestly, your body will do what it needs to do if you have a good balanced diet. The fat soluble vitamins are way more important with you know k being one of those mm -hmm. so um yeah i can't say enough about that because people think that you know calcium is the way you get strong bones but there's so much more to it and now we know that there's risks for um calcification of the soft tissue the arteries your your vessels um really accelerated when we went through the calcium supplementation craze in the 70s i mean i'm sorry in the 80s and because at the same time we were doing low fat and we were pouring calcium into people 
and that did not do anything for people's bones. It gave them heart disease. Yeah. So. Yeah, so pairing your, a lot of vitamin K with the calcium that you are getting. Yes. It's going to be really important. Just one cup of arugula, which, you know, if you've ever had a, if you've ever, if you've ever seen raw leafy greens, one cup is like nothing. Nothing. Like when, if you wilted that down in a pan, it is like <laughs> nothing. The size of a quarter, really. I almost. know. Like you it's could crazy. eat like an, yeah, an enormous amount. 25% of your recommended daily value. Not that I would really listen to the FDA on how much you should get, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the guidelines, the dietary guidelines are grossly off. Underestimated. And, you should be and, getting and, way more. You know, like for vitamin C is 60, 60 milligrams. That's insane. You probably need more like 2,000, yeah. you know, for the, this isn't, this is general advice, people. If you have kidney stones, do not take 2,000 <laughs> of uh, vitamin C. But uh, yes, yeah, so I am, a, I am so adamant that everyone should be eating greens every single day mm -hmm. yeah so i and because of you i've been eating arugula more because i honestly yeah. never did i'm a spinach addict and i'll i'll eat like the mixed greens um but i think like my go-to is spinach and so it's like good for me to branch out i don't love raw spinach it's got that and it's the oxalates. You know how when you eat raw spinach, you get that, like, chalky, dry? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. Really? <laughs> what? You don't get that, like, feeling in your mouth? No. What is that? Why do I get that? Maybe that's your body's natural way of saying that it's not, you know, it's not the right thing for you. I believe I get, in that. I, I mean, I've done research on this, and, like, they're, they're higher in oxalates. So you like, it's very high in oxalates. Yeah. So that's that. And like when I get that, I am chewing on spinach. It's almost like this dry chalky. I know. I just crave out. spinach. Your body needs it then. Right. Yeah. I believe that. And yeah. but I also think that I am a person that can get into just patterns and yeah. I need to like branch out. And so I always love talking to other people and I, I want to know, like, what are your, your main ways that you like to eat it? Like, do you just like to eat it in a salad? And if so, like, what are good pairings with it? Because mm, you're the question. chef, I'm not the chef. So th this is what I'll do, and I love arugula this way. Eating it straight, mm, not, it's fine. It's very peppery. It's got a kind of a spicy, little bit of slight sweetness. But what I like to do is I'll, big salad, I throw some goat cheese in there, and I think it also pairs well with like a fruit. So I'll do like, Okay. Uh, it's some dried cranberries. So I have goat cheese, dried cranberries, or fresh blueberries. And then okay. I pair it with some nuts. You get that little bit of fatty mouthfeel and just the crunch and the peppery spiciness of the arugula, the creaminess of the goat cheese, that tang, and then a little bit of slight, slight sweetness. To me, that is the perfect salad. You put that with a, a homemade like vinaigrette dressing. I'll do... Uh, like honey for my dressing with apple cider vinegar, Dijon mustard, garlic. Oh, it sounds so good. And, uh, and a good quality olive oil. Shake that up, let it emulsify, pour everything over the salad. That's to me, that's the best. You can put a little protein on there if you wanted. I need to do that. I am, you know, I just put olive oil on my salad. I don't, I don't go to the steps of making that salad dressing. It's super really not easy. hard, no, right? it's super easy. Take yeah. you like five minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. And it's fantastic. Lemon juice, 
uh, honey, apple cider vinegar, olive oil, garlic. It's that's gonna be the best. That's so, do you have like a certain olive oil that you really love, or do you just like? Do you have a certain thing? Not yet. I just recently have been starting to. I call it invest because it's, I mean, it's expensive, 35 bucks for a, a nice bottle of olive oil. Yeah. Before I was just kind of using avocado oil. Mm -hmm. uh, but now if I don't cook with olive oil, yeah, I'll cook with avocado oil because right. it's a neutral oil. Um, and it's not as heavily processed as like a grapeseed oil. Right. I will not use it. It's so funny. I used to use grapeseed oil like crazy because I thought well, it was. Well, they, yeah, they, I used yeah. to think it was good too. And now I'm like, no. So heavily processed, super high in omega yeah. sixes. But for olive oil, no, nothing yet that I've, that I've really well, found. Well, we're going to really have like. to do some investigating because I'm obsessed with olive oil. Okay. And so I've what been. What do you got? I ordered this. I, I'm into Greek olive oil, and I've been researching all the different regions. And there's actually like um, some companies that will guarantee like the polyphenol level. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing it on a chemistry basis, right? Like they're like, this is really good quality, and we're wow. guaranteeing it. And here's the testing that we've done. Um, but you know, they say you can't trust the Italian olive oil because really? they put all these additives in their olive oil. It's not, they tested like 20 brands. You ever hear that? No. And like most of them were augmented with like other not so good oils. Just to cut costs. Yeah. Just to cut costs. So and that, the Greeks that, don't do that, huh? and that, so that's when I started like kind of looking at the Greek and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try it out. Cause you can tell, right? You pour it on a plate, you look at the color, you look at the taste. I mean, you can see the differences. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I felt like these Greek oils that I was purchasing, well, guess what? They were pretty reasonable. And then with the pandemic and everything, I guess, now all of a sudden they're like double. But I am with you. I will spend the money to get something. And I, I am too, like I would still say in the initial stages of really understanding like what I'm getting out of my olive oil and what I would really like need to know, yeah. you know, to make sure that I'm not just being duped by somebody, I guess. And I just don't, I, I haven't been, I don't, I can't tell flavors yet. Like taste, like what is a really good quality taste? And like different olives are going to have, and then there's like unfiltered and I don't know what the benefit is of yeah. that. So we'll have to do that for a cold podcast. Pressed. Like, of course it has to be cold pressed. Yes. That's the main thing yeah. you want to look for. Yeah. Um, anything that's heated is going to destroy. And that's why, like you said, you really shouldn't use olive oil because it just doesn't have the smoke point, right? Like it's just yeah. not, it's not really meant for, you can do it like low heat. Low, low, Real low. low but nothing, yeah. nothing where you're really I wouldn't go above, sizzling things. I wouldn't go above 140, 130 degrees with it, really. I'd stay around 100. Which, what can you really do? Yeah, I, I've seen research go back and forth that it, you, it's it's a higher smoke point than people think, and then I've heard I people. know. So I, I, I don't really, I, I can't give you an exact answer. I can't either, and because, you know, like, I have a lot of um, clients that are Italian, and you, you're not going to tell them not to cook with olive oil. They're, They've been doing it, yeah. so... Um, I, I struggle with that as well. Yeah, well, I you do know? know for a fact that the flavor 
of it is not very good if you're cooking it on high heat. Yeah, which makes because of the breakdown. The uh, culinarily speaking, I would never cook in high heat with it. Forget about the health benefits, but it just it burns. Yeah. The the um, I don't even know the right word to use for it, but the compounds in there burn, and it's just it results in a bad taste on yeah. vegetables or whatever. That's just something I struggle with because I really, I really, I use avocado oil because I know that it's better, but I kind of feel like there is a flavor to it that I don't really like. Really? Yeah. It's very neutral to me. So I do it, sometimes I mix a little olive oil in there, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Did you ever go through the phase where you were, use coke, you were using coconut oil to cook with a lot of things? No, because I just... <laughs> did it once and I'm like this isn't for me I, I just can't do this I make little fat bombs with coconut oil because I know it's good for you and I think I do need more of it you can use MCT oil if you want to just take a shot or put it in a smoothie I like it in sweets and desserts and like things that I'm but I, my, I think my mother used to she used to cook with it with everything yeah I so can. like chicken and like, you know, which is fine, but she was all about trying to get the health benefits in and Yeah. Whatever. And some people like it and they're fine with it. It's totally a preference thing, I think. Um, my husband tried to make popcorn with it once. Yeah. Yeah. No. Unless you're going to do like a sweet popcorn, but. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I like coconut milk, like full yeah. fat coconut milk. That's more what I'm able to use. Yeah. And I make ice cream out of it. I put it in my coffee. That's kind of my way to get some of the healthy fats from the coconut. So the last, the, the next superfood that I came up with that I, I eat pretty regularly, especially now and more towards the summer that we're getting in season of them. I love them are beets. Are you a beets eater? Do you like to eat? I like pickled beets a lot. Pickled beets. Um, I even tried to make... Uh, I, I did try to ferment beets and drink mm. beet juice. Fermented beet juice? Yeah. It's real woody tasting. <laughs> you know, I, I'm – so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure pickled beets are good for you. Yeah. But what do you do with beets? I want to hear, like, what you do with them. So I think when people have had beets pe – people generally, I feel like, don't like beets around here. Yeah. I, especially when they're in season, if you get good ripe beets, it almost tastes like corn on the cob. It's sweet. Oh. It's super good. You salt it. They're freaking so good. I'll do it two ways. I'll boil, which I know does kind of dilute some of the nutrients, but I'll also roast them. And the reason why I like them, not only do I think they taste fantastic, <laughs> they're kind of sweet, they're buttery, but also really high in a lot of really good nutrients so they're really high in what's called uh, nitrates yeah and if you've ever i'm sure people have heard nitrates and they think oh my god deli meat this is totally different sorry i have the hiccups right now but nitrates uh they help with nitric oxide production they're really good for your blood flow for the heart we've seen a lot of studies with improving athletic performance and, and just overall lowering blood pressure because of the increased nitric oxide production. I see it a lot in natural pre-workouts. 
because it helps with we, we like to call it in, in bodybuilding or in the gym the pump we like that blood flow have you had that yet in your in your in your newfound uh, resistance training <laughs> journey like it, the your the muscle just feels full yes you're just yeah, after penny kicks my butt then yeah. i feel that <laughs> but beetroot powder and, and beet juice has been shown to increase your nitric oxide level but I need to say something about the juices and the powders because I found this is really interesting. And it's much better to eat beets. Or if you're going to use the powders and juices, swoosh it around in your mouth. Oh, really? So we have this bacteria in our mouth that actually helps with the conversion of the nitrates to arginine, which help with the increased nitric oxide production. So just drinking beet juice isn't nearly as effective as actually eating beets. If you're going to eat drink the beet juice, swish it around in your mouth, and then it's going to look like you just drank a bunch of blood because yes. your teeth are going to be stained. And your red. urine is going to, I thought oh, I... Oh, yeah. Uh, your urine and your stool. Yeah, I yes. thought I had a GI, because I bought some beet juice. This is a true yeah. story. I bought fresh beet juice at, um, I think it was Jewel in Batavia. They have it. And then I was like, oh, man, I what's going on here? And then, you know, I looked it up and sure enough. So yep, the first I time guess you do that, <laughs> you better be ready for that. If you're, you're going to do that, you're going to have some red and yes. <laughs> some red coming don't, out. Don't of panic. <laughs> you're going to be okay. Well, I think this is a superfood because I think it's so underrated and we need more of it for nitric oxide production. And it's also, it's high in what's called betaine. So betaine is an anti-inflammatory. Do you know a lot about betaine? A little bit. Yeah. yeah, really good for you, really good anti-inflammatory. Uh, and you can find these. I've actually found them in powders at like GNC and Vitamin Shop. But, I, again, just eating it is so much better. And if you're going to consume it, try to chew it up. Chew your food. Yeah, this chew is, your food. It goes for arugula, too, and every food that chew your food slow down like digestion digestion 20 minutes starts, yeah in the mouth and we have all these good bacteria that are helping break down the food and helping with the digestion and absorption and it, and not only that but i notice when i eat fast and i'm not chewing my food my digestion is poor and i'm bloated totally like, i mean way your body and They've even done studies and they've shown that people that cook, um, their gastric production of, you know, the gastric secretions in their stomach increases by 50%. Just because they, they cook their food, they're thinking about, you know, like so mindful cooking. Mm -hmm. You're actually looking at what you're cooking and, yeah. and then they say even practicing gratitude or prayer prior to a meal also can aid with significantly with digestion so i have five brothers so i learned to eat really fast and that's a really hard habit to break and i literally have to set a timer and i'm not always successful i'll tell you but when i do actually focus on it and kind of i definitely feel a lot better and if you're feeling bloated and that's not good because you're not really getting the full like you said you're not getting the full nutrition out of your food. Right. It's running. It's just stagnant. It's, it's hard for your body to break that down. It's not completely. breaking it down. Right. Yes. 
So there's our... There's wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh. You not. need to tell me oh. how to cook a beet because oh. that's, you know, when we were talking about it, that's probably part of the reason why I don't, why I eat pickled beets because it's easier. Well, you just buy and it. And I just throw them on a salad. Yeah. But how do you cook a beet then? So they're a pain in the ass, I'm going to be honest. It's a pro if you're going to boil them, it's a process. It's going to take at least an hour. Uh, and then what you'll do, so say you're going to boil them. We'll start with that. You don't do anything. You just put them in water, boil them, cover the lid. You don't peel them or anything? Not yet because what oh. you'll do is uh, that's when you'll know they're ready pretty much. They're going to be tender to the t like with a knife. And then you'll take them out. You'll let them sit. And then they'll just the skin will just peel off like pretty easy naturally. They'll just come right off. And then you can slice them, throw them in some grass-fed butter, a little bit of salt, pepper, garlic. Uh, that's a great way to do it. Now we know boiling, you do the nutrients, some of the nutrients leach out into the water. So you can just drink the water. No, I wouldn't do that. It'd be pretty <laughs> oh, gross. That'd be so gross. <laughs> but uh, another way is roasting. Uh, it seems to keep a little, some more of those nutrients in there. And you could do two ways. I've done both of this. So you, I, you, I peel them before, do it like a potato peeler because the skin is really hard. Or you could just wash them and keep the skin on. Now, when you do that, you get some of those, some extra fiber in there from the skin, right? Oh, so you can eat the skin. You can eat the skin. But you, now remember, it's a root vegetable. So it's even if you wash it, it still tastes a little dirty. It does. It, it tastes dirty, like dirt. mineral, yeah, flavor. Yeah. And the skin gets a little leathery. Now, my mom likes that. But I'm not a huge fan of that. So I would prefer to peel them uh, and then, then roast them if you're going to do that. And okay. it takes like like a potato, like 30, 40 minutes at 350, 400 degrees. Okay. Don't burn them. They, they are high in sugar. Uh, and what makes them so sweet is when you caramelize them, th that reaction to the heat breaks down a lot of those sugars, brings the sugars out. And it does tend to be sweet. If you get a good beat, it's hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I need to I need to work on that. And again, I like to throw them in my salad for some texture and some sweetness. And uh, yeah, you can make beet juice, but like I said, I would swish it around in your mouth if you really want those that nitric oxide boost before a workout. Before a, I don't know some other things you could. <laughs> I'm not gonna name it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, let's not go there. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, those are those are my two superfoods. There's there's thousands of superfoods, and I, to me, this gets me really excited because I'm super into the, the just the, I guess the superfood. You could say I think it's cool to talk about. So maybe we'll do this again. There's so many more we could talk about. I was gonna th I was thinking about goji berries. I yeah, I mean you could go on and oh, on. Oh, so many. And I think the take home message is try something new and so that's why i'm excited about my superfood because i've never even heard of it so I've, yeah. I've eaten buckwheat you know like just you need to go to the store and get buckwheat but um you know to think of this and and maybe i'm doing something good for the environment and i'm trying something new yeah um and so that that's i think if you haven't tried beets try it if you haven't tried arugula you know this is your chance and you know i always try to keep an open mind and if somebody else recommends something, I'd say, okay, let me give it a try. So you're going to go get beets? I'm waiting for you to make them for me. All right. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs>
Yeah. Ooh, a little balsamic on there is pretty good, too. Okay. With the beets. Okay. But awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Health on 10 podcast. We'll be back next week with, uh, I don't know, pretty good topic for you guys. Thanks for listening. Keep your health on 10. <laughs>